I'm going to ask you a quick question. How was your week this morning? And be honest, how was your week? Mm. We got some we got some future worship leader with a violin here, you know, get it ready. Get it ready. Who had a very good week? Honestly. One. So so. Who had a bad week? Uh, my daughter at the back, Josiah's raising. Look, guys, I had a rubbish week. My week was rubbish, I tell you one. I struggled all week. Really, really, really struggle. And you know, sometimes, bless us as born-again Christian, we come to church on Sunday, and the brother and sister come and say, how you doing, you know? And you say, I'm all right. But right now, that week has been terrible. You know, you struggle all week. You've got problems all over your head. You don't know what to do. But then you come with that big smile. You know, like all smile, when you smile, bright, very bright, you know? Everything is good. You know, the Lord told me, you got to be honest. I had a very, very bad week. I struggled until yesterday evening. Ha! <laughs> the truth's coming out. Many things. Many, many things. I struggled with depression. You know, I felt very, very depressed this week. It's been a very, very um, terrible week for me. But in the same time, God was speaking. He was always speaking. And, and you know, that song, what does the song say? It's got a victory. D does anyone know that song? No, where's, where's man? Man's gone. I was going to ask you to sing it again. <laughs> Who's got a victory? Who, who can sing that song? Huh? That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. I have to sing that song yesterday evening. Because sometimes we forget that actually we have the victory. Actually, we have the victory. And this morning, the Lord really told me something. And I've got this word, lovely word to share with you, but I just failed to share my heart. So I will share my heart this morning. He said to me this week, and I read it, the Lord is doing a new thing in us. And I'm going to ask you, this year, how many of you changed job, opportunities, or anything? Raise your hand, honestly. There's a quite a few of us here. New job, new promotion. There's a quite a few of us here. The Lord is doing a new thing. A new thing in us. And what he's doing, that's the word I'm hearing, is positioning for the incoming breakthrough. I don't like to share about breakthrough because when I hear people sharing about breakthrough, it's always all they want to hear. But the truth is, that's the word that I heard. It's positioning us for the incoming breakthrough. The storm that we are living is the last hurdle for some of us before the breakthrough. That's the word. I heard this said, the Lord will calm the storm. That is the word that I received this morning. Is great, a great God, a mighty God. What a wonderful God we serve. That's who he is. A mighty God, a wonderful God, a mighty God. 
And this morning, as I share, if the Lord allow me to prophesy, I will prophesy to some of you, um, whatever I feel in my spirit to, to share. But that's the word he wanted me to tell you this morning before I begin. There's a breakthrough coming. And he's positioning us for this. And sometimes when we're going through the storm or going through difficulties, we can't see it. It's very difficult to see it. It's very difficult to hear around us because we are so focused on the storm that we don't get focused on the Lord. We begin, over the last few months, I begin to share on the return of Jesus. And I shared the different things, and we spoke about the different five key or seven key elements that we believe the world will experience um, in front, such as the rapture of the church, the invasion of Magog, um, the arrival of the Antichrist, the series of, of earthquakes, and so on, the final battle of Magellan, and also the Millennium Kingdom. If you want to hear more about those aspects of it, just join us on Wednesday evening. Uh, we're having a cell. We're focusing specifically on, on the book of Revelation. Now, all this event that I share about over the last few months, the first one that I shared two weeks ago was about how do we prepare ourselves for the return of Jesus. And the first thing that I mentioned is faith. First of all, we've got to believe that he's coming. We spoke very greatly, a great left about what faith is, which is the ability to believe. Very simple. Then we spoke about obedience and trusting him. And one of the words that I really spoke about, which I was actually tested this week, is trusting in the process. When God doing something, you've got to trust from the beginning to the end how he's doing it. And it's been a great, great, great battle for me this week. But I'm happy that I'm out of it. I'm out. You know, yesterday evening, I was all smiling. You know, I was came home, I was tired, and, and the children look at me and, and I make the, the, the mixture for the crepe. And then uh, I go upstairs and I said to my daughter, go and make the crepe. And then I go to my, my son and say, go and make it. And I went, you know, I went in my room. Usually I would just put something to watch. And I would watch it. And then, but I was just here waiting. I fall asleep. The Lord was refreshing me. Then my lovely wife, you know, she came to me and she pestered me for about 20 minutes to open it up. I finally opened up what's going on. And I was feeling better. But the children didn't want to come upstairs because I was so upset that they sent their mom to come and talk to me, you know. And then after that, I came downstairs, I smiled and everything. And, you know, we've got to recognize that sometimes, even as believers of Jesus Christ, even we know the scripture, we know the word of God, we know what God has done, we know there is victory, we know who we are in Christ, you know, after six, seven, eight weeks of teaching from Pastor Nicholas about our identity in Christ, we know all of this, but still, when it gets going, we will face those trials and those tribulations. And we've got to allow those things to take place. But one of the things that I learned this week is communication. Sometimes you don't have the strength to talk. You don't have the power to talk. You don't know what to say. But there's always someone on the phone. There's always someone speaking to you. And what was great this week for me, and even some people knew that I wasn't feeling well, they were just praying for me. And I felt the prayer of the saints this week. And we need to continue to pray for one another. It's very, very important. It's not every day that I'm going to pick up the phone and tell to make her I'm not well. Or tell to Nikki I'm not feeling well. Even tell to my wife I'm not well. But the spirit of the Lord, we, 
you know, we kind of do something inside of us, maybe a name will come up. Maybe somebody's name will come up this week. Or maybe a picture. And when he tells you, just pray for that person. You may not know why you are praying for, but all you need to do is just pray. So this week, I had all day, I was thinking about you and I'm praying. I told her I was praying for me. Nikki was, everybody was praying for me. They didn't know why they were praying, but they felt that they needed to pray. My wife was praying for me as well. And during that week, I went through high and went through lows, but I, I was encouraged and I was strengthened by the prayer of the saint. Trust in the process. Hmm. Today, I want to touch on another way to prepare ourselves for Jesus. And I call this, let him do his thing and be still and know that he is Lord. You know, some people say thing. So let him do his thing, if you want to say it this way. Be still and know that he is Lord. Sometimes you've got to allow God to do his thing, you know. You've got to allow him to do it. When God gives us a word or a prophecy, our first reaction usually is joy, excitement. God has spoken to me. I remember when our dear prophet was coming to our retreat, and everybody was just sitting on a chair when he was just pacing around, looking at people. In our head, thinking, me, me. But you can't raise your hand. I want, I want a prophecy. But you expect Prophet Arnold to come and speak to you and deliver because he was a prophet. So when he delivered the word, you know that God is speaking to you. So we get excited. And we expect the prophecy sometime to take place at a certain time. Some of us think it can, should take place now. Jeremiah 29 Verse 11 to 14, if we can put it on the screen, says this. For I know the thought that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thought of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. I love this. I will listen. That means that when we go and pray to the Lord, he listens. He hear our prayer. And that is very, very important. And he says this, and you will seek me and find me. Meaning that when you go and seek him, you will find him. You know, the scripture says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. That is God's promise to us. He said, when you search for me with all your heart, he says this with all your heart, not searching for him, and then you're thinking about the football result or the football score or thinking about something or what you're going to eat tomorrow. It's really focusing on him. At that point, I will be found by you, says the Lord. And he said, I will bring you back from your captivity. I will bring you back from where you have fallen and I will bring you back to me. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place for which I cause you to be carried away captive. That's his promise to us. By seeking his face, by spending time in prayer, by spending time with him, we have the promise and the assurance that God will be here. God desires to give us a future and a hope. You see, he says this, the thought of God toward us is always peace, always. That's what he says here. For I know the thought that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. You see, 
Evil is not in God's agenda. That is the truth. You know, you hear people on the street, they say, why happened this? Why God didn't intervene? Or why there's so many earthquakes? You know, yesterday uh, I was, I like to listen to the news and I don't know if you guys knew this, this young five-year-old, uh, young Moroccan, uh, he fell off the well for five days. So they were trying. Those guys are trying hard to try to get him out. They managed to get him out yesterday, but he died. He died. And, uh, and when things like that happen, it's very easy to blame God, isn't it? When things doesn't go right, it's very easy to blame God. But it's not God's fault. You see, God said, he wants peace for us. The thought he had towards us is peace. Satan is evil. That's his agenda, pure agenda. From the moment God created man, Satan always thought to destroy him. Always. You know, if you think, some people think that Satan is their best friend. Or they think that when they go to hell, they're going to have a party. I heard those stories. I heard people saying that. They're going to have a blast. You know, the things that they can't do here, the people they can't chase. I'm not saying one, too many children. The people they can't chase, the thing that they can't smoke, or the things that they can't do, they think that when they get to hell, it's going to be a great blast. Listen, let's pray for those people. Satan is not your friend. It is not your friend. He's your enemy. Your pure enemy. You know? Because of Satan, man is corrupted. Because of Satan, nature is polluted in that sense. But when you think about Genesis, from Genesis chapter 1, just chapter 1, verse 26 to 29, God's plans for us was always good. As a matter of fact, if you understand what was God's plan for us, just look at the book of Genesis. He says this, verse 26 to 29, sorry. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That is God's vision for man. First of all, out of all God's creation, we are the only creation that are made in God's image. The only one. The angels are not made in God's image. We are. God made us in, our, in his image. And according to his likeness. And he said this. God blessed them and God said them to make. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea. And goes on. I used to wonder, why Satan hates us so, so much? You just have to look in Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 29. When you think about what God has created for us, the earth is, was for us. The earth was given to us. That was what God's given to us. The way he created the immortal, that was us. He says this, Hebrews 2, 6 to 8. But one testifying a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hand. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. This is what Satan hates so much. Because of what God has done for us. 
The fact that even though we're created, as he said, a little lower than the angel, we've been crowned with honor and glory. The angel had one choice. Follow God's way or your art. And they said a third of the angel rebelled against God under the leadership of Lucifer, which is Satan. Now, when that happened, there's no redemption for them. It's set and done. When everything is set and done, those angels will be spending eternity in the pit. And that's what it is. However, as human beings, until our last breath, we are still have the opportunity to give our life to Jesus. That is the difference. Sometimes the word of prophecy takes a while to come through. And sometimes you're expecting this wonderful God, the prophet has come and uh, I spoke the word, or maybe some of us should share the word, and you think it's not happening. And sometimes the opposite happens. I just saw that many times. If you look at Abraham's story, a whole man, no child, and God tell him that he will have a child. As a matter of fact, he will have a nations after him. And he's old. You know, he's not important, but he is very old. His wife is barren. There is no way that's going to happen. But Abraham said, God said so, so that's what will happen. So they maybe waited two, three, four years Come to a certain time, the lady's getting very old. You know, she can't, she can hardly work. Never mind, carry a child for nine months. So she decided to take matter into her own hand and send her husband to have a child with somebody else. How many times we heard the prophecy of God and we decided that God is not acting quick enough for us? So let's just make a move. I've done it many times. Blunders after blunders. And that's what happened. The prophecy, where God said, we've got to wait for it. Let him do his thing. And sometimes it requires us to be patient and wait for him to do his thing. There are certain things that in life, unfortunately, we cannot control. Life and death, for example. Even men are trying to control it. Nature is another thing. Particularly storms. Let me know if one of you managed to control a storm. I would love to hear that from you. That would be really important. Now, there are four types of storms here. The thunderstorm, tornadoes, hurricanes, and winter storm. Now, I see a hurricane from far. I see thunderstorm, and sometimes we're having those here. They can cause havoc and destroy lives. This is a real, real, real something serious here. So, when we're looking at the story of Matthew 8, 23, 27, we could potentially forgive the apostle at the time to get, to panic and to get angry when they get into the boat. First of all, I ask this question. When he got, so the Bible saying in Matthew 8, 23, 27, he said, and when he got into the boat, Jesus, when God, Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, then arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was swamped by the waves, but he was asleep, and then went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, or you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. 
And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that every wind and sea obey him? Now, you got to understand the big the backdrop of the story. We, did, we are in Matthew 8, 23, 27. Jesus called out the disciple, you know, and he done a couple of miracles, a few miracles on the road, so they, they kind of trust the guy. So if you go on the boat, they're going to go on the boat as well because they follow him on a journey. And uh, Jesus, obviously, has been preaching, he's been sharing, he's been, you know, doing all sorts during, his, uh, during the day. You know, don't know him, just to heal the sick or, you know, whatever he's done. But a lot of powers come out of him as he was just ministering to, to people. And he starts. Listen, it's, it's God in the flesh, but he still have the characteristics of a man. So he's going to get tired, he's going to get hungry. And he was really tired. So he got into the boat, going to enjoy himself, have a nice little nap, sleeping. And the apostle just here on the boat, and then storm comes in. Now, I always wondering this question: Why are they panicking if they see the guy doing so many miracles? Why are they still panicking? They see the guy just turning water into wine. They see the guy just feeding thousand people with fish. They see the guy just healing blind, making people walk. Why are we still panicking? Why are they still panicking when there's a storm? Because the Bible says here, he was asleep. And when he said he was asleep, this is not a nap. This is like a proper heavy sleep. I can imagine Jesus snoring to such a point, having a nice dream, enjoying himself, and a storm just uh, really battling, battling the boat right, left, center, and people are panicking. So they go to him, they wake him up, and they say, Serve us, Lord, we are perishing. And that's the word that it really got me. We are perish- we dying. We, you know, this is the end. We are dying. And that's what they said to Jesus. We are dying. Can you imagine the poor Jesus waking up and just, oh man, God, what are you guys waking me up for? We are dying, Jesus. Can you see the storm? And sometimes this is where we are. When the storm hits us, we are panicking. Listen, this week I really panicked. We are panicking in such a way that we forget that the living God, first who is living inside of us, that we forget that Jesus is here. That's the problem. And when he said, oh, you are little faith, he said that, basically, saying, did you not see me, you know, turning water into wine? Did you not see me just feeding thousand people? Did you not see me raising people from the dead? Did you not see me then did you not see me get people walk and turning blind into people who can see? Did you not see me do all those miracles? And still, you are telling that you are perishing. The Bible said that he rose, he rebuked the wind and the sea. He didn't do any craziness or, you know, potions and everything. He just spoke the word. He said, I rebuke you, be calm. That's what he said. He said, be calm. And what happened is, then he said it was a great calm. So we went from a storm to a completely calm. And the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And that's the thing. We cannot control nature, but God can control nature. It's everything. He can control everything. So the Lord asked us this morning to be still and to know that he is God. That is the word. Be still and know that I am God. You know, when he speaks his word to us, it may take two minutes to come to pass. 
usually it doesn't happen to me two minutes. Maybe for you guys, maybe God spoke, and two minutes later, it came to pass. It may take two hours, two days, two months, two years, 40 years. We don't know. Can you imagine Joseph? I, I love Joseph. You know, very, when he was young, he was extremely arrogant. You know, he had a couple of good dreams. You know, like I said, God spoke to him. And instead of keeping his mouth shut, he's got 11 brothers, 10 brothers actually at the time, 11, yeah. And he got to speak to his 10 brothers and tell him how great he is, how greater he is than those brothers. How do you think they're going to respond? Well, if I had a big brother telling me this, I'd probably slap him in the face. That's what I would do. But what they did was even worse. They kind of, come here, brother. Come here, come here. So they took him. They ditched him. They, were, they wanted to kill him, actually. One of them wanted to kill him. If it wasn't for Reuben, I believe, that actually just saved him, they would have killed him. They wanted to kill him, so they ditched him there, and then he ended up being a slave. Now, if God tell you that I'm going to make you a millionaire, a multimillionaire, and you say, yes, Lord, I receive this word. I see people, I receive a multimillionaire, and the next minute you lose your job. That's what sometimes happens. God will give you a word, but the process for that word may be very opposite to what you think. So Joseph had to endure, first of all, to be a slave to his master. And even then, God blessed him such a way with wisdom, such a way that he ended up not doing the account of his master. And then he's probably thinking, hey, hey the word is coming now, you know. This is it. I'm on the up. Then some woman, his wife coming in, you know, listen, well, she wasn't like some old ladies. The Bible said that she was nice. You know, she was fine. That's what they say. She was very fine. And obviously she saw Joseph. Joseph, young man in his early 20s, you know, well ripped everywhere, well built up and everything, and smart as well. And she's looking, she's saying, mm, what a fine guy, you know. And she's thinking, I want a piece of this. And that's exactly what she said. So she tempted a few times, didn't work out. And that's not working, so I don't know what kind of strategy she used. Maybe, you know, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you guys got your husband, you know, whether the, what, what technique did you use? You know, I'm not going to ask you. But obviously she's tried. That didn't work. So she's going for the, for the total thing now, you know, coming in and go for him straight away. Some of the guys, some of the brothers here, they're probably looking and saying, hmm, hmm. They'd be resisting. Joseph, run. You know, Joseph run. Listen, I love the word of God. God always going to give us an escape when we're under temptation. And you got to take that escape route. If you don't take that escape route, listen, you're finished. That's it. And Joseph knew that if he was going for that, he was finished. And also because he loved God. So he left. And he's thinking, what am I going to do? And the next minute is in prison. Now, from a guy who thinks that he's going to rule over everyone and then suddenly ended up in prison, that must be the end of it. And he's, he's, he wrote in prison for over 15 years, the Bible says. So he wrote it there for quite a long time. And again, God granted him favor during the time in prison. And uh, 
he's got his two people here. When one was a butler, another one, I can't remember who was, the baker. Yeah, two of those guys. And he's got words for both of them, a prophetic words. And um, he asked one of the guys, when you come out, please remember me. So he's thinking, this is my escape route to the glory that God promised me. So those guys come out. The prophecy that Joseph mentioned come to pass, and he doesn't hear anything at all. So he keeps rotting in prison. Until the Pharaoh himself had a dream that tormented him, and somebody remembered that Joseph could interpret the dream. So they called Joseph out to interpret the dream. Not only Joseph interpreted the dream, he gave a solution. The word of wisdom was upon him that he was able to give a solution. And the rest of the story everybody knows. He rose up to permission, become the prime minister of Egypt, and saved not only the Egyptian, but his father, brothers, and the whole nation of Israel. And the prophecy at the end was fulfilled. That's why God works. Sometimes we have a word of God coming to us, and we do expect him to release that word straight away. But there is ways. And we've got to remember, during those 15, 20, 30 years of Joseph's life, he grew, mature, became less arrogant, more humble because of the experience he was going through. My wife will know, uh, I've got to be careful with it, that's an uh, iPad, she told me don't break it, you know, so I'm going to be careful. My wife will know that in my early years, I was quite arrogant, you know. Even I think Nikki knows as well. Quite arrogant, quite uh, full of myself. Um, yeah, and I have to learn the, the hard way. But where God is taking us, it's important shaping our characters every single day. Every single day, you know. The person I was yesterday is not the person I am today. And by his grace, it won't be the person I am tomorrow. And that is your portion, guys. Always remember, what God is doing, let him do his thing, you know. Let him do it. Let him do it. However I do it, let him do it. And trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Melanie, I see, uh, yeah, he's telling me to tell you it's not done with you. I see a school. I see a school of musician. I actually see a school of musician. It may not mean anything to you now. And again, listen, don't ask me when because I have no idea. As I said, this is, uh, this is how it works. But I see a school of musician. And I see you leading this school of musician. And you're going to see great artists coming out of this school. And it's not only about being a great artist. The character inside of them as well. I see. <laughs> I believe God is doing great things in us. You know, at times I, I doubted it, but I believe He's doing great things in us. You know, I see so many, and it's not about potential. You know, when we talk about potential, oh, He's got potential. This is not about potential. This is about God actually moving right now in the life of some of you here. This community in Medway and 
every other part of the world is going to benefit from what God is doing in your life. It will. You know? It will. Chanel, this is nothing where you are at the moment. Believe me. There's something greater that he wants. He actually wants you to run your own. You know? I don't know whether this is what you had in your heart, but he wants you to run your own. He wants you to run your own. Yeah? You will have your own organization. And it will be run very, very differently. But please, keep that. Yeah? I don't know whether that's what you've been praying for, but I see you running your own organization. And um, again, don't ask me when. I have no idea. Just let him do his thing. That's it. I want to pray for, for those when I'm finishing. Thank you, Mel. I want to pray for different ones here. I want to pray for those who will be going through this week or even the last few weeks, face some challenges, some really, really, really challenges. And at times, they didn't know where to turn. I want to really pray for those people. And if you're here, you know, please just raise your hand so we can pray for you. If you're online, please just raise your hand as well. I truly believe that God does things really to help us. And I think that's that week that I had, it really told me a lot. You know, I've been, you know, teaching a lot about trusting in the process. And I have to trust in the process this week. And it's been tough. It's been really, really tough. But I learned something. You know, his word said, I will never leave you, never forsake you. And that is word for us. So if it is you, just raise your hand as I pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much this morning. Truly, you are a wonderful and amazing and a mighty God. Lord, indeed, you took all upon yourself. You gave it all for us, Lord. And Lord, I commit each one of us that's been going through challenges this week. I pray, Father, for your divine strength upon us. And Lord, I also pray that you continue to open our eyes to see what is in front of us. Lord, that we will keep our eyes fixed on you and fixed on the price and fixed on the word that you have spoken to us, Lord. I thank you, Father, that no weapon, no weapon shall form against us. I thank you that the enemy has no authority over us because of who you are. Your word in 1 John 4, 4 said that we are your little children. And your word also said that we have overcome the world because the one who is inside of us is greater than the one who is in the world. So Lord, as we move forward with your plan and your purpose in our life, help us, Lord, to remain humble and steadfast for what is in front of us. As you've spoken, the breakthrough is here. So, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.